above the mass, I watch the swirl of smoke from candles burning. While Mary looked up yearning, I got confirmed and I confessed. I really felt that I was blessed. Plus, I love my uniform. So did the boy who lived next door. But something changed when I became of age. Things I thought were true. Someday I'd break the big taboo. Let it go, God. Let it go, God. Hello, and this is Doubter Five, and welcome back to the Free Shot. Oh, sorry, Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. Uh, this is a live atheist call-in radio show. Uh, we'll be talking about atheism, free thought, rational thought, humanism, and the sciences. Conversely, we'll also talk about religion, religious faiths, gods, holy books, and superstition. And despite what Steve Martin would have you think, there are an awful lot of atheist songs, and you'll be hearing them right here on this program, and generally on this station, as they are in rotation. I'll also be talking about atheist and rationalist groups that exist right here in Knoxville, and how you can connect with them. Also, did you know that there's also an atheist call-in television show broadcasting here in Knoxville and has been broadcasting for over six years? That's right, and we'll be talking about that too. I'm planning to play a lot of music this this hour. Um, like I say, a lot of people don't think there's atheist songs, but there definitely are, and here's some of them. This one is called Get Down on Your Knees, Dear Father, and uh, I think the meaning will come through as it plays. Here we go. Oh, dressed up like a Christmas tree with velvet lace and gold They took us to their sacred house And we did what we were told They filled up our heads with stories And they told us that we could be saved If we sang and praised their hero But he never showed his face They warned us to watch out for Satan Who'd be waiting there to capture our soul If we didn't heed all of their wishes He would drag us all down through that hole We'd burn and we'd scream there forever And our cries they would never be heard Yes, the innocence of little children Well, except the liar's word Get down on your knees, dear father And beg now forgiveness for me Show me that you're truly sorry For the person that I couldn't be Show me some tears now of sorrow Show me a face that is real My innocent and lonely existence Was never left there for you to steal 
They take away all of your childhood. They'll rob you of all of your dreams. Their cruelty it hurts and will leave you with scars that can never be seen. And we are all left here to suffer with the heartache of struggle and strife. And our tears they'll never dry up. They follow us on through life. Get down on your knees, dear sister, and beg now forgiveness from me for the cruelty towards all those children and the pain that you'll never see. The mothers that lost all their babies and never would see them again. The cries from their beds still remain in their heads, and slowly it drives them insane. Your gold, your chandeliers Take all your sermons and all of your songs You won't be back no more Take your church and your holy shame Your regal deeds from where you came Your candles have melted and no one cares You won't be back no more You won't be back no And that was Get Down on Your Knees, Dear Father. I don't see a author to it or as a group, but you should be able to find it on YouTube. People wonder why atheists and the ACLU sue to remove crosses from public parks, Ten Commandment plaques from schools and courthouses, and Jesus pictures from schools. The government and its representatives are constitutionally prohibited from favoring one religion over another, period. Putting a Christian symbol in a government building that is on any federal, state, county, or city government property, sends the message that the USA favors Christianity over other religions. American citizens, adult and children, who are Hindu, Muslim, Mormon, Sikh, secular, etc., see this as a finger from the U.S. government, from Uncle Sam, pointing straight at them saying, your religion is wrong and you're going to hell. And the message is coming from every government representative of the building or property that the symbol sits on and from the government that itself that they call they have come to call their own christians have every right to practice their religion in america as do every other religious faith or non-faith uh, you can practice it in your home your church your family gatherings and on every media outlet there is 
And you can even practice it on the streets and in public buildings as long as you offer every other religious position the same opportunity to do so in equal measure. The law prohibits the government from giving preferential treatment to your religion or any religion. And that is the reason that the Freedom From Religion Foundation and the Civil Liberties Union win all of those cases that they bring against this type of religious infringement. The Constitution supports their position, which is why they hold that position in the first place. Please keep this in mind as we enter the next four years, as I am certain that we will see just this kind of thing happening more and more frequently. And because our laws are based on the Constitution, and the Constitution says that government cannot show favor to any particular religion, your local government will lose any time and money that they spend trying to do so. Remember when you see your county commissioner authorize a Ten Commandments plaque for your courthouse. Remember that one, they are breaking the law. Two, they are about to waste a lot of your tax dollars in a doomed attempt to defend it in court. These are your hard-earned tax dollars that that should go to rebuilding the crumbling infrastructure of our country. And with that, I'll go on to the next song. This is uh, Anthony David doing a song called God Said. Christy, something happened a long time ago in Haiti, and uh, people might not want to talk about it. They were under the heel of the French, and they got together and swore a pact to the devil. They said, we will serve you if you'll get us free from the French. Mm. True story. And so the devil said, okay, it's a deal. Ever since they have been cursed. My imaginary friend. See the trouble he gets in can be traced back to me. Oh, he can pretend at the slightest of his friends. He has the power to suspend all rules of morality. And when he gets angry, he can make the lightning strike. He can help me win the fight with his power. Yes, he speaks through me. And it's always positive. Cause I can just ask for forgiveness and it's over. So you can't put the blame on me. I'm doing what God
It's a blog, actually, and I've uh, taken the articles from the blog and put them into a book called Atheism, What's It All About? You can find that online at Amazon or anywhere else. But a lot of times I write these things just so that I can read them on the air. Um, And uh, this one is one I wrote about two weeks ago, I guess. It's called Let Jesus Take the Wheel is really bad advice. It may seem like a no-brainer, but a lot of people are, are taking it to heart, apparently. It's very common today to see Internet memes promoting just that course of action. Don't know what to do? Let Jesus take the will, or turn it over to the Lord, or God's will be done. But basically, they're promoting the path of least resistance, that is, deciding not to decide. What could be easier? No thought required. Let nature take its course. God has a plan for you. Go with the flow. God won't give you anything that you and he can't handle. Really, how many times have you heard believers say this stuff? However, if you follow their advice, they're basically just intellectually and emotionally bailing out in situations where a crisis is looming and a rational, well-thought-out decision is important. When you turn everything over to Jesus, what are you really doing? I mean, think about it. If the supernatural is not real, and if, as atheists are convinced, that God does not exist, or if Jesus, sin, resurrection, salvation, and atonement are just words that the church uses to keep you in the pews and tithing, then what are you really doing when you let Jesus take the wheel? You're simply letting inertia carry you rudderless into the future. Then, when you arrive at your next interim destination, good or bad, and you're making the best of it, you proclaim, See, God knew what I needed to do. He knew that I needed this test. Lose your job? God knew that I needed to lose that job so I could open my craft store. Never mind that the store failed in two years. God knew that I was going to be in an abusive relationship. I'm stronger for it. Never mind that your next unconsidered commitment will be just as bad. No matter what happens, God never loses, and your faith is renewed. However, you, your family, your health, or your career may very well suffer for it. The results of trusting in an invisible presence does not relieve you of your responsibilities in this world. You still have to accept that job or not. You still have to apply for a loan or not. You still have to educate yourself or not. And you still have to answer yes or no to surgeries, life and death decisions for loved ones, and committing to or ending relationships. Not once has God or Jesus shown up to answer those questions for anyone. Putting your faith in his hands does not make you or those you are responsible for any less vulnerable for your lack of critical thinking. A very good example of this can be seen in the cult of Christian science. 
They literally let their loved ones die, year in and year out, by letting God handle it and letting leaving it in Jesus' hands. They pray, trust in God, and have faith, and do nothing. And when their innocent children die, as they inevitably do, they simply say, it's God's will. Atheists have been helplessly watching these unnecessary tragedies for years and see it for what it is, gross negligence. It's a crushing example of how religion causes good people to do bad things. Refreshingly, the authorities have pretty much stopped turning a blind eye to these deaths and have now started filing the neglect and manslaughter charges against the parents in these cases. You know there used to be a page on Facebook called Jesus Take the Wheel, where it challenged readers to trust Jesus and take their hands off the steering wheel while driving on the interstate for five whole minutes. The page is gone now, and it's certainly not hard to think of reasons why it is. But can you imagine crashing your car and killing or injuring someone and then going into the courtroom and telling the judge that you weren't driving, Jesus was? But ultimately, how much less danger it is that if you turn your important life decisions over to beings that never have once actually stepped forward to make a decision for you. Of course, you will say, they are, they're helping. We just don't see them. Right, we don't see them. Because like the emperor's new clothes, they simply aren't there. The blog that I read this from is uh, my blog at digitalfreethought.com. And when you go there, just click on the blog link, and it will take you over there. Uh, the next song we have um, is Why Don't Bees Go to Heaven by Save the Enlightenment. And I hope you'll enjoy it. It seems to me the species Homo sapiens carries the Hutzpah gene. To think they are the purpose of the universe When they only just arrived on the scene What's even worse, they bear a curse Of believing they're the only form of life To never die and go on living Somewhere high up in the sky Somewhere high up in the sky So why don't bees go to heaven And trees go to heaven Amoeba, krill and fleas go to heaven It's not surprising that they're not arising Cause man created God This grain of sand upon an infinite beach Had been supporting life for trillions of spins Then along came humans who started assuming That this was where it begins So profoundly naive they began to perceive These primates were the only ones To never die and go on living Somewhere high up in the sky Somewhere high up in the sky So why don't worms go to heaven And germs go to heaven Spiders, snakes and sperms go to heaven It's quite expected that they're not resurrected Cause man created God If man created Zeus And the God of the sun If man created Shiva And the God of Abraham From all of life Why should the only one saved Be the species worst behaved? Well, that's because that same species Homo sapiens Carries the Hutzpah gene 
to think they are the purpose of the universe when they only just arrived on the scene. What's even worse, they bear a curse of believing they're the only form of life to never die and go on living somewhere high up in the sky. And we're back. Our regular broadcast time slot is Sunday at 6 o'clock, a digital free thought radio hour, 6 o'clock on Sundays on this station. <clears throat> I'm here tonight because um, the regular DJ, DJ Rad, uh, could not make the show. He's not feeling well. But I'm happy to take the slot for the for the night, over the hour anyway. Anyway, getting back to the question, uh, what exactly is an atheist? Let's talk about that. If you'd like to call in, the number is 865-333-5937. That's 865-333-5937. And uh, we can, we're happy to talk to you about your comments or questions about atheism. This is one of the most common questions we get on Free Thought Forum, which is also the TV show that I sometimes co-host. Uh, most people mistakenly think that an agnostic is a person halfway between a believer and a non-believer, uh, and an atheist is one who simply doesn't believe. Well, that's true. Atheism does not believe in God, has no God belief. Gnosticism or agnosticism doesn't address a belief. It addresses knowledge. When you say, I don't know if there's a God or not, you're talking agnosticism. If you say, I know there's a God, then you are a Gnostic, without the A in front of it. And when you're talking belief, you're either a theist, a believer, or an atheist, which is a non-believer. You can be both at the same time, since they address different things. Personally, I am an agnostic atheist, and most atheists are. We can't know for certain that there are no gods of any type anywhere, but we don't believe in any. Atheists often identify themselves as freethinkers, secularists, realists, rationalists, and or secular humanists. However, if you look up atheist in certain dictionaries, you might encounter phrases like, one who denies the existence of God, implying that we are in denial of reality. Also, infidel, non-believer, immoral, evil. Uh, after all, some dictionary compilers are subject to the same biases as regular authors. Good examples of this can be found in older versions of Webster's Dictionary. Webster was a Christian, a theist, and obviously had an axe to grind against atheists. Atheists are found the world over. And in some countries, the majority of the population are atheists, secularists. China, Denmark, Sweden, Norway, Japan, and many European countries are primarily atheists. And globally, atheism take, makes up about 45% of all mankind. Uh, and growing. 
not only that, but the countries with the lowest religious index numbers are one of the most popular, or some of the most popular countries in the world. They're prosperous, peaceful. Uh, they are flourishing societies. And when measured by any normal standard of societal health, that is the number of homicides, rapes, teenage pregnancies, illegal drug use, etc., these countries show lower numbers across the board than countries with primarily religious populations. Uh, they also score higher in the areas of public health and education. It tends to be that the poorest countries, and in America, the poorest states, are the most religious and have the lowest societal health numbers also. Uh, the poorer the country, the more its citizens turn to religion for their hope that it purports to offer. It seems to be a direct correlation that the more religious a society is, the lower the societal health numbers, and vice versa. It's also a self-reinforcing cycle. So how do you break out of this cycle? You ruthlessly examine the supernatural beliefs that you have and ask for evidence. Don't settle for supernatural explanations or anecdotal evidence. Educate yourself and your children. It doesn't have to be college. Go online and get the answers and evidence that you need. Through the Internet, the world's knowledge is at your fingertips. Ask the hard questions, and don't be guided by wishful thinking. Truth will be found wherever the evidence best supports it, but make sure that it's actually evidence and not unsupported claims. Join groups and discuss these topics. Again, be rigorous. Demand valid, well-supported evidence, not anecdotes or appeals to emotion. Be skeptical. Accept information only from experts in the field that are supported by the research, not dogma or authority, and question even them. Make them explain their findings to real-world evidence. <clears throat> I'm going to leave it there. We're at the bottom of the hour, and I need to go ahead and play another song. This is WOZO Radio, LP 103.9, Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, the next song here is called Set Your Monster Free. It's by Quiet Company. Uh, it's going to start off really soft. Don't turn your volume up because it gets louder toward the end. And I'll see you in a few. Well, daughter, I once thought that I had angels in my room. They were sleeping on my fan while I was dreaming of you. And daughter, I once had such desire to believe That our lives had been planned out by an unseen deity But you don't have to waste your time Holding on to Daughter, I once knew that everything that I believed, it was good and fair and true, and consistent with my needs. But daughter, I am wrong, almost as often as I'm right. So daughter, just be strong. Enough to make up your own mind Cause you don't have 
This is an Atheist Call-In Talk Show, and if you'd like to call in and talk to us, you can reach us at 865-333-5937. That's 333-5937. I'd like to talk to you a little bit now about the, the groups, the atheist groups that are here in Knoxville. There's the Atheist Society of Knoxville, founded in 2002. It now has over 650 members. You can find it online at knoxvilleatheist.org. And you can join them for their weekly meetup at Flats and Taps on Kingston Pike out near West Town Mall. Uh, starts about 5.30 for happy hour for food, drink, and conversation. All are welcome, if, but if you plan to preach, proselytize, provoke, or brunch, please don't. <laughs> We're happy to have you, though. Uh, we can guarantee a good conversation. And if you don't believe in God, we'll be the first to tell you you're not alone. 
We also have the Rationalists of East Tennessee right here in Knoxville. They've been around for over 20 years. Uh, RET has uh, meetings and presentations and discussions. They're a little more of a formal group. They get together for presentations at Pellissippi State Campus near the Hardin Valley Road, and they do it basically at church time, uh, about 10.30, 10.15, 10.30, and they go to about 12.30. They meet the first and third Sundays at the Goins Administration Building Cafeteria Annex. Don't be too confused. Just go to rationalist.org and find more information about how to find them on Sundays. Now, the second Sunday of the month, they have a book club, and they usually uh, read some kind of free thought book or science book or societal book. They're all very good selections, and you can help with the selections if you come to the Rationalists of East Tennessee. There's also the Sunday Assembly. Uh, Sunday Assembly started in England just a few years ago, and now it's spread around the world. What is the Sunday Assembly? It's a no-God church setting for those who have had enough of religion, but still like the fellowship of a church-type gathering. They usually meet at the International Building, the, the fourth Sunday of each month. Remember, they don't meet every every week like a regular church does. You can find them the fourth Sunday of each month at the International Building downtown in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's called the Sunday Assembly. Just do a Google search on them. Also, if you happen to be a student and don't believe in God and would like to start your own meetup in, in your high school or college, you can always uh, do a search for the Secular Student Alliance which has programs to give camaraderie and community to any free-thinking high school or college student who would like to be involved in the free thought movement or maybe just find some secular companionship here in the Bible Belt. One other thing I would like to talk about uh, is that TV show that we mentioned. The Atheist Society of Knoxville and the Rationalists of East Tennessee have a weekly call-in TV show in the public um, community access TV. It's called Free Thought Forum. And you can see it every Tuesday at 5 o'clock on Comcast Channel 12 or Charter Channel 192. Or if you don't have cable, you can watch it streaming online at ctvnox.org. That's communitytelevisionnox.org, ctvnox.org. You can also go to YouTube. I understand that uh, one of the fans of the show has been recording these and putting them up on YouTube. So go to YouTube and search for... Free Thought Forum Knoxville. That's three words as free thought is one word. Free Thought Forum Knoxville. And I guess that's about it for the announcements. Um, let's go on to the next item. One thing I'd like to talk about is the very real costs of religion. A lot of people think it doesn't cost anything to believe in God and, and to follow a religion. You know, the old Pascal's wager, the fire insurance wager. You know, it's better to believe and, and not go to hell than not believe and go. Even if there's not a God, it don't cost you anything to believe. Well, that's not really true. Christopher Hitchens famously said, that which is asserted without evidence can be dismissed without evidence. Do you believe there are cases where someone should be respected for making assertions without evidence? Do you think those assertions should be given any credence? Most of the posts that followed this this Facebook philosophy blog post answered in the negative that belief should be accompanied by evidence, else evidence was not warranted. While I agree with most of those uh, that you need evidence before believing something, the question here was stated, do you believe that there are cases where someone should be respected for making assertions without evidence? 
and I had to consider instances where that might actually be warranted. I would think that a lot of it would depend on the person making the claim and the cost to you for believing or not believing that claim. Let's say that your close friend tells you not to eat an apple that's in your hand and claims that it has been poisoned with pesticides. You know that your friend is a farmer, the apple came from his farm, and he uses pesticides. He gives you no evidence, so that claim is without evidence. But since he is a close friend and proved himself many times to have your best interest at heart and is in a position to know such things, don't eat the apple. It only costs you the apple, and not believing him would could cost you your life or your health. However, if he said you should never eat any fruit again because someone is out to get you, well, that action could cost you much pleasure and many essential nutrients for the rest of your life. You would have to demand very good evidence for that claim before entertaining that claim, at least before you hire a full-time food tester. Now consider this. A close loved one tells you that you must believe in Jesus and accept him into your heart as your savior, or else you'll go to hell. You might think that there's no cost to you and that you're avoiding excruciating pain for eternity. But really, the cost to you could be very substantial. That belief could potentially put you and your family in the power of a church hierarchy and cost you 10% of your earthly income. It could also persuade you to change your life's purposes to those decided on by the church. These effects could last for the rest of your life. All of this in order to avoid a possible afterlife when no one is in a position to know for sure what happens after death, especially so when there are other religions who claim, just as passionately, that if you believe in Jesus, you're consigning yourself to their hell. Belief without evidence is never warranted. But if the costs are small and the benefits high, you might entertain some beliefs without much harm. But even in these cases, they should only be maintained until such time as they may be validated with whatever evidence you can find. If evidence should not come to hand, then it would behoove you to let those beliefs fall away. However, if the potential costs are large and you can withhold belief without imminent harm, or at least until evidence is presented, then do so. But be sure to find those costs. Don't ignore or minimize the real costs of believing without evidence. They can be quite substantial. Think about those young Muslim men who flew the planes into the Twin Towers and Pentagon. Do you think that when they were very young and being taught about the unconditional love of Allah and Muhammad, that they would have ever considered that their young lives might end up being the cost of their beliefs. Think about the followers of Jim Jones, David Koresh, and Marshall Applewhite from Heaven's Gate. Think about Andrea Yates, who murdered her five children to save them from growing up in sin and going to hell. Think about those people in the audience of faith healer Peter Popoff when he told them to throw their prescription drugs up on the stage because they were healed and wouldn't need them anymore. And think about all the old and infirm who routinely send what little money they have to televangelists to theoretically help them spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, when really all they are doing is helping the evangelists live a lavish lifestyle while they do without. The wilder the claim the more and better evidence you should demand. 
Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Look around and ask yourselves, are there others who withhold belief without cost, or are they paying a high cost for their beliefs? And you might also ask yourself why churches try to convert children before they have the mental capacity to effectively evaluate these beliefs and their costs. Belief without evidence has very real costs. Think and evaluate, then decide. You're going to be the one who will pay for your belief decisions. Be sure to also consider your family in that and to consider all of the costs. And that was my article on my blog called Belief Comes with Some Very Real Costs. Don't ignore them. And you can always go there and download or copy it, read it, whatever. And the next song we have up is A. Camp singing uh, Stronger Than Jesus. That sounds interesting. Here we go.
And that's A Camp with Stronger Than Jesus. If you like this music, all the music that I'm playing here, I, and and the shows, the archive of the radio shows that we're doing now, and on Sundays at 6 o'clock, I keep on my my uh, blog. It's digitalfreethought.com. Go to the blog and look for the podcasts and the songs that I'm playing. Uh, I'd like to talk about faith. Faith is, as an epistemology, fails miserably. Epistemology is the acquisition of knowledge, uh, how we know things or how we gain truth about the world. Often, when I talk to people, they will say that they know things by seeing them on the news or reading them in books or newspapers. Scientists say they gain their knowledge by testing and experimentation and by studying the publications of other scientists. These all seem to be reasonable ways of gaining knowledge, that is, if you take into consideration the possible margins of error and the motivations for distortion that some people may have for providing misinformation instead of valid information. Trust but verify seems to be a truism in this case. The Oxford Dictionary defines knowledge as facts, information, and skills acquired by a person through the experience or education. Uh, the theoretical or practical understanding of a subject. But to be fair, when you claim knowledge, you claim to know something that should be verifiable. News programs consider it to be a high responsibility to stick to the facts and not report innuendo or propaganda, and take pride in adhering to as closely to the truth as can be verified. Even the Fox Channel claims to be fair and balanced, and when actually reporting the news, they come as close as they can, considering their political bias. However, they will be the first to admit that most of their programming is editorial, not news, and in editorial segments. They can slant and skew the news as much as their political opinions allow. It is, after all, opinion and not news. The scientific community, however, takes extreme care to deal with facts, not opinions. They precisely measure and document every step of their experiments in order to be able to replicate their findings under laboratory conditions anywhere. They actually expect and depend upon other scientists to critically scrutinize every step of their procedures and every aspect of their results to try to find any errors that may have crept into their processes. If errors are found, the original scientist will very much want to know what he did wrong and redouble his effort to get it correct using that new information. Also, the scientists who found the errors will then receive credit from his peers for his work in doing so. Often the biggest rewards in science, Nobel Prizes, research grants, etc., are reserved for those who overturn the oldest and most entrenched scientific theories in their search for the truth. In other words, scientists want to know if they're wrong. They know that is the only way to get to what is real and what isn't. Another supposed way of knowledge is religious faith. The faithful claim to know many things about life, the earth, the universe, and life after death, and which of the many, many gods that humans have worshipped is the one and only true God. They have been claiming to know what he wants. They especially claim to know what he wants. Faith is peculiar in that it is many things to many people. Faith, according to the Bible, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, Hebrews 11.1. 1. But I've met many believers who use it differently. They say that they have faith that the Bible is the word of God, 
or they say that they have faith that Jesus will come back to earth. They are not hoping that it's the word of God or that Jesus will come back. They're saying that they know these things. These are claims of knowledge, and as such, they fall under the heading of epistemology. However, it can't be. If you see a little dog cross the street, you can have as much faith as you would like that it's a female dog, and you can act on that knowledge all day long. But until you examine it, you won't have actual knowledge of its sex. Further, if it turns out to be a male dog, your faith in its femaleness would prove to be dead wrong. People in religious faith claim to have knowledge of things that contradict those of other faiths and of current scientific knowledge. Muslims claim to have faith that Muhammad literally split the moon in two, but science tells us there is no evidence that the moon has ever been split, much less that it happened as recently as the life of Muhammad. Christians will tell you that they have faith that Jesus rose from the dead and ascended bodily into the heavens. Muslims say that their faith denies that, and the scientists say that the laws of physics won't allow that to happen. Not only that, but if somebody were to bodily ascend into the air and continue on into space, they would spend centuries or even millennia traveling through the dark, cold, vacuum of space before they even reached the nearest star. Many believers of all faiths will tell you that faith is a feeling of certainty about something, which they believe because it feels right to them. Sometimes they will even say that they couldn't live in a world without faith, i.e. without certainty. To me, it just seems like wishful thinking on a level I find hard to comprehend. You want it to be so, so you believe it is so. Okay, but you have to realize that it is not actual knowledge. If you experience a dream, you may have knowledge of the content of that dream, but you can't claim that the things or events that happen in the dream actually happen to reality. Peter Bogosian calls faith pretending to know things that you don't know. When people say to me, I couldn't live my life without faith, what I really hear is, I couldn't live my life without pretending to know things that I don't know. That seems more fitting than saying that which is hoped for. Religious faith is a claim to knowledge. It's a claim about many things that are untestable and unfalsifiable. And as such, religious faith should not be relied upon to give us actual knowledge of reality. While it is bad enough that faith doesn't give us usable, testable answers about reality, it's worse than that. Faith keeps us from questioning that knowledge at all. Faith, this is Peter Bogosian's quote, Faith taints and at worst removes our curiosity of the world, what we should value and what type of life we should leave. Faith replaces wonder with epistemological arrogance disguised as false humility. Faith immutably alters the starting conditions for inquiry by upbraiding a hunger to know and sowing a warrantless confidence. Taking all this into consideration, it's obvious that religious faiths cannot be deemed to be the path to knowledge that it's claimed to be, and that claim has no support at all in the real world. And uh, we're getting pretty close to the end of the hour, but uh, let me recap a few things. there's also another group in uh, Knoxville that, that uh, basically is a um, gathering of humanists. It's called the Humanists of East Tennessee. 
Uh, they meet a few times a month for dinner, hikes, swimmings, picnics, that type of thing. They're mostly active in the summer, but, of course, they have meetups in the winter as well. You can find the Humanists of East Tennessee in meetup.com. Just search for them. Uh, however, no matter where you are, where you are listening to this program, uh, you can always start a meetup if you're not a member of a meetup and you don't have a meetup in your location. Feel free to go on meetup.com and start your own meetup. I did. I started one back in uh, 2002, the Atheist Society of Knoxville. I have uh, 650-something members now. We meet every week, have a good time, have good uh, logical conversation, rational conversation, and sometimes not so rational, but we're human. If, like I say, if, you, uh, if you're enjoying this program, you can find the archives at digitalfreethought.com blog. And uh, I guess we'll meet you on Sunday, which is 6 o'clock on Sunday is our regular broadcast time, right here on Wozo Radio, 103.9 LPFM in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, my name is Larry Rhodes, or Doubter5 is my DJ name. And let's see what we have for a song coming up. Um, here's one. A Glorious Dawn by the Symphony of Science. By the way, Symphony of Science has an awful lot of good scientific uh, songs on uh, YouTube. And if you like this one, you might like the other ones. Do a search for them. This is Larry Rhodes signing off from WOZO Radio, Digital Free Thought Radio. And we'll see you hopefully on Sunday at 6 o'clock. Bye. I'm not very good at uh, singing songs, but uh, here's, here's a try. Some years, people have wondered about the universe.
Knoxville. 